We live inside a dream. Diane, I'm holding in my hand a small box of chocolate bunnies. Hello. Welcome to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates uh, with your two favorite wimps who like Kubrick and Lynch. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name's Eric Keppel. And my name's Jeremy Schmidt. Hello. Oh, baby. Old yeah. school. That's a fresh uh, LaCroix for you, honey. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm uh, drinking me one of them LaCroix. Hey, how about this? I got something. You're two geeks who like Twin Peaks. You know what? That's that's great. I think we're we're gonna. You know what? I'll edit that. I'm not gonna edit that. No, back don't in, edit it but, back uh, in. But just think about it. You know, because we'll be covering the Twin Peaks series from here till eternity. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So we'll figure this out. So I I did some math, Jeremy, and mm. we'll we'll figure it out first. I just want to set this up. Uh, hoping we get some new listeners here because I think there's a lot of Twin Peaks uh, nuts out there, yeah, myself included. Very excited for this, but uh, real quick, we are a podcast about uh, Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch. We're kind of going chronologically, right, uh, through through all of their work. Um, we'll figure out how all the Twin Peaks stuff is is happening. Uh, but today we're 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 uh, we're doing the Twin Peaks pilot and episode one. So this is like going to be endlessly confusing uh episode two of twin peaks technically the second episode is called episode one and the numbering starts with that one. Oh, episode and two is pilot, episode one that, uh, pilots yes. episode zero or something like that yeah okay that's why because i texted you and i like was very careful with my wording right uh and you were like oh, okay so just the first two episodes and i was like yeah yeah, I guess that makes <laughs> yeah right no yeah I get, I get it yeah yeah cool uh which i was i was a surprise because when we originally talked to you you were thinking about let's just do the pilot and then maybe we'd cram a bunch of the season one into an episode so why the choice to do the two episodes in one in one episode so i figured that if we do um if we do both episodes on this one uh we can do uh, two more episodes on season one. Okay. So like three episodes per episode of our podcast, if that makes sense. Right. Because uh, anything more than that, I think is just going to be like Who too cares? much of an yeah. undertaking. Why yeah, are we do? Why are we trying? <laughs> I think that's like a reasonable amount to like expect people to watch along with right. like three episodes. So three episodes um, per one episode of our show. Yes. And are we doing a Kubrick two. movie next week, or are we going to do Twin Peaks season one and then go back to Kubrick? So that's what I wanted to propose to you. Is I <laughs> I think I think that's what we should do. I do too. I mean, I agree. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like treat, I was treat ready each to have season like it's like a whole film. Yes. Okay. And I was ready to have just like a very heated argument yeah. with you. Um, I have, I even like hired a, a, a detective to, to like do some sleuthing and uncover some dirt on you yes, from way back in your, 
Dallas, Texas uh, right. college days. Yeah, or, I, hi- I hired yeah. a defense attorney to sue the shit out of you uh, in the in the case of... I guess not a defense attorney. It would just be a prosecutor to yeah. Uh, yeah, sue the shit out of you uh, and for, you know, a bunch of allegations that would show up in the paper. And you'd read about it in the paper. Right. Right. And I... <laughs> I bought a gun uh, just in case I had to kill myself out of embarrassment from losing the uh, the argument. Right. Uh, we right. also we also have a Patreon. Uh, if you're new to this, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Uh, we're watching Tales from the Crypt over there. We're talking about... Uh, what did we do? We just did a really fun episode where we went through and kind of like went through a list of the up, most up anticipated yeah. mm-hmm. uh, films of 2020. And we... No spoilers, but we decided uh, definitively whether or not this is going to be a good year for film, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yes, you will be pleasantly surprised at our take on this next year of film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no spoilers, um, but it's a pretty hot take. Yeah. We uh, both agreed that no movies will come out this year. <laughs> I love a uh, a teaser for something that can only go one of two ways. <laughs> it was a really fun conversation, though. It was. And we discovered that in uh, the upcoming Pixar movie, there is a character who looks exactly like Jeremy. Yes. It's like truly wild. It's truly crazy. I It was like looking in a mirror, but a fun mirror <laughs> where I kind of want to live in that world instead of this world. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, there's some... I, I got to see, I guess like the the rumblings of films that are supposed to come out in 2020 that I didn't know about like the new Dune film. So, you know, you yes. can hear my live reaction to finding out yeah. there's a new Dune movie. There was screaming, there was uh crying. Yes. Yeah. There was laughter. There's a lot of uh Tom Hanks uh r- writhing around and and mugging to the camera via Golden Globes. There is <laughs> we're getting like three Tom Hanks movies in 2020, right? Oh, That's I crazy. hope so. I are you um, do you like Tom Hanks? I mean, I'm hit or miss. I, I like sure. him. I like a catch me if you can. How you about how mean? about Chet I'll, Hayes? Chet, Chet Hayes. That is what am I, that is Tom Hanks' rapper son. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, I'm. I guess I don't know. Is he good? I don't no, know anything no, no, about no. him. He's not. He's, oh, okay. he's 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 super bad. You should look him up. He's he's a great. He's a good YouTube rabbit hole. Um, I do like Colin Hanks. I That's do too. Name, right? I, Orange yeah. County. I like him from Orange County, but I also liked him on that season of Fargo. I thought he was really good. Have you watched that show, yes. by the way? Fargo? I did. Uh, yeah. Season. Yeah. I love the first two seasons. Yes. What about, uh, have you seen the third season? I don't think I did. Well, you got to catch up because the fourth season is coming out and it looks splendid. The trailer for the okay. fourth season you should watch to get jacked and amped about you know, watching season three and catching up. It's got Chris Rock in it, Jason Schwartzman, fucking, um, I think Ben Wishaw's in there, the voice of Paddington. It's got a lot, it's like, it's like a star-studded cast and it looks just very funny. I, I, I gotta say, I love that Fargo show. I think it's just a knockout. I just want to hear Paddington talk in a <laughs> Midwestern accent is what I want. Yeah. Uh, so we got a lot to talk we about. We do. We're, we're talking Twin Peaks. Right. Uh, Before we get started, Eric, I, I did. I wanted yeah. to kind of. I think this would be a good way to start start the series out. Yes. So, a little background on on Eric and I. It, we're both fans of 
Dave, David Lynch and Stanley Kubrick. But specifically, Eric, you're like a giant Twin Peaks fan. Um, yeah. And I am a medium Twin Peaks fan in that I've seen the series once and I haven't watched the Showtime season yet. And I liked it, uh, obviously, or I wouldn't be doing this. But I wanted to ask you, like, who's such a super fan, if, without, like, getting into too much of the plot, what is it that you love so much about Twin Peaks? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I love the... I love everything David Lynch. I, I think... I think honestly my favorite uh thing about this show is the humor mm-hmm. i really think the show is like funny as hell uh i there's there's like a certain um i feel i it's hard to describe i feel like i'm going to like an old familiar place every time i put on a twin peaks episode where i'm like i kind of know what i'm getting yeah uh and it puts me in like a very interesting state of mind. I'm also like a conspiracy theory weirdo, right. and uh, I kind of like that kind of shit. Sure. Um, just sort of the like reading into things too much. And uh, back when the return was airing, I was like spending hours a week just like on message boards and on Reddit, just yeah. like reading fan theories and shit like that. And I love that kind of shit. And Twin Peaks is kind of is kind of like the most intense uh version of that i've ever found certainly like a breaking bad uh, there was some of that going on for me but mm. uh i don't know it's just it, 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 i i can just watch it endlessly i i i don't really have a solid answer for you really no I just yeah fucking love it so yeah but i mean you mentioned the humor which i thought was interesting like you because i'm what i'm most excited about starting twin peaks with you is that I'm treat. I'm gonna treat you like kind of like a guide or like a Sherpa through the series because I kind of want to experience it. If I'm gonna do it again, I want to experience it more through your lens. Like I want, I want you to fill in a lot of like the series on how you feel about it, right? And like and like what the things that you love about it. Because one of the things that has always not rubbed me the wrong way or something I've always bumped up against with Twin Peaks is the tone of the show. It's a very specific tone that kind of blends David Lynch sort of psycho weirdness with soap opera. <laughs> it's it's mm. like a it is very soap operatic, I guess is the technical term you'd say. Probably not technical, but um, but it's also like like the humor in it is to me when the first time I watched it, I remember parts of it being very off putting. But I know that there's like some intention intentionality there like i remember like there's like a a scene and we'll get it to it and even in this episode where like agent cooper comes into the police station and everyone's like eating donuts and he's talking Mm. so fast that no one has a chance to respond and it's like goofy as hell you'd agree with that right like it's just the show is goofy as hell right yes right so then to me it's like is what people like about twin peaks perhaps this weird tone where it's like goofy weird humor mixed with like super serious fucking like sci-fi ghost David Lynch type shit. Yeah. I think that's part of it is like people don't really expect that uh, like 
this show to be so silly. Like even in the beginning of the pilot, when Lucy's like telling Harry which phone to answer, right? Uh, it's like so fucking funny and this is like a story when you get down to it it's a story about um the murder and you know potential like sexual abuse of of a teenager right like it's like really heavy shit yeah uh and you're right we do get into um some more kind of paranormal stuff as we go along but uh yeah i don't know uh so so that so you're saying the humor of it kind of turned you off in a way or you were just kind of confused by I was confused by I was like I was like how exactly you hit it you hit the nail on the head I was confused yeah. on like what I should be feeling because I know that with David Lynch you're getting so much intentionality right like it's a, like like the jokes in Twin Peaks and Blue Velvet they're not funny ha ha like I'm not like cracking up bellied over i'm more like why would you put that joke there (laughs) like like i'm more like confused as to why or like i mean uh what i i I can't remember the name of the character but like the rich smarmy asshole guy in town um you know uh, ben horn yes the guy who like goes to the whorehouse and stuff like he's yeah so over the top villainous and you're like it it's like so it's like not these aren't real people they're not like real performances it's like right. it's like it's very again like a soap opera like um like just out of this world kind of outlandish i don't know performances and stuff but then there's like this really serious dark undertone to it and creepy like real creepy vibes and i think i I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I think I'm maybe answering my own question. And like, that is, I think the appeal of it. I think people love the fucking tone. Oh, Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, I think I lost you for a moment. Oh, there. no worries. Uh, you just cut out for no a worries. Second. Yeah. I'm recording um, on my end, but yeah, I, I basically just said, I think it's the tone people do like about it. Oh, okay. It, it seems to, uh, it seems y- to be. Yeah. 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 I think it, um, It'll be interesting to, to see how, how this develops. As, so I want to know, like, did you have that kind of feeling watching just the pilot? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like... Okay. This, I mean, oh, yeah, oh, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but keep in mind, though, I have watched the whole series and do remember most of it and do like it, right? Like, it's not like I, I don't like Twin Peaks. I love Twin Peaks. I just... It's... It's like such a... I just wanted to... I want to talk about what it is that is working about the show. Because I know that at some point in season two, the show does stop working. It stops functioning. Oh, yeah. And Oh, yeah. And, but to me, it, in my first watch, there was almost no difference between like, you know, like the second half of season two and the first half of season two. Like, it all just felt like goofy, mm. d- dumb, like psych like weird like uh weird choices for weirdness sake um and then like i I couldn't tell a difference and i'm excited to watch it again for you to kind of highlight to me like here is why this is good here's why this is interesting and here's how it goes off the right you know what i mean like kind of lead me through it because i know that you are such a huge super fan and you kind of know the series in and out and you've seen fire walk with me and you've seen the showtime show so i'm i'm excited to I guess just watch it again through your through your lens. Yeah, so there will be there there will there will be uh, blood. That's there will be blood. 
Um, and there will be a lot of bad shit in season two yeah. uh, that I don't like stand by and think is necessarily good. But I do think uh, pretty much all of season two is very charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of love the imperfection in a way. Right. Uh, and we'll get into there's some interesting backstory behind like what all went on with that and uh, stuff like that. As far as the soap opera thing goes, uh, th- that was like basically uh david lynch and mark frost who co-created the show uh wanted to to combine police investigation with a soap opera was like sort of the kernel of the idea for the tone um so you're right in kind of getting this like soap opera vibe from it and they do kind of play on that and i think they you they lean on it for for humor uh quite a bit well, right, because David Lynch, like, loves that shit, right? He, like, loves, like, yeah. making his films look like a Lifetime original movie and then be Blue Velvet. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, the su- surprise, this is a sexual nightmare. <laughs> like, yes. like, this isn't quite the, you know, f- glossy, white picket fence exterior you thought it was. This is a This is a fucking nightmare. And that's sort of what... I mean, Twin Peaks does accomplish that. I will say, like, even in these first two episodes that we will talk about, like, there's so much, like... You know, again, like goofy as hell, crazy jokes. Uh, oh, this person's cheating on his wife with this person. You mm-hmm. know, like, getting into, like, the like the relationships of all these characters. And then, yes, yeah. there's, like, all of a sudden, you look over and there's a fucking weird uh gray-haired man like crouched behind a bed <laughs> staring you, yeah. you know what i mean like it's like it's it's kind of full of that shit i would call like i call them rug pulls where you're like you think you're watching a soap opera then suddenly you're not you know yes yeah um so let's dive into it because we got we, we got a ton of stuff to talk about uh little background on the show uh yeah created co-created by frost and lynch um, just going to say up top that like, uh, I think Mark Frost after a while got kind of like bitter about, uh, everyone kind of calling Twin Peaks, like just a David Lynch project when I do think Mark Frost is like, like this show would not work, uh, without Mark Frost. Okay. Mark Frost is like the guy he came from, uh, I think Hill Street Blues or some show. Like he had been in the sort of TV drama world yes. for a while. Yeah, you're right. And he was able to kind of like, he was just able to connect with David Lynch in a way where he was able to be like, no, David, like, that will never work on television. We can't do that. <laughs> and uh, they were kind of like a perfect like yin and yin and yang. And yeah. I do, uh, I I fucking love Mark Frost. He he does. Uh, 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 I've read some of his his stuff. He's written some like fiction uh, stuff about about Twin Peaks. Um, he's a very good writer. Yeah, and he uh, deserves to be uh, talked about. It's also uh, go- so- it also should be worth mentioning that. Among some great stuff he's written, he's also written stuff like Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so Mark Frost, yeah, great stuff, yeah, great stuff. So Mark Frost isn't the person who ruined Twin Peaks in season two. No. Okay, great. No, I'm glad we'll to hear to that. that. So, what do you think? I obviously know what tw- David Lynch brings to the series. What does other than kind of keeping Lynch on a on like a a short leash? What does tonally like? What do you think is Frost's 
like how would you describe Frost's sense of humor or like style? Like in what characters do we see Mark Frost the most? You know, we definitely see David Lynch in uh, Cooper. Cooper right. is like an extension of David Lynch, mm-hmm. uh, much like. Um, uh, 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 why am I blanking on his name from uh, McLaughlin's character in, Twi- in uh, Blue Velvet? Oh, Jeffrey. right, Jeffrey. Yeah. Yes. Um, Mark Frost is more of the like. I would say, like, kind of seems to be like more of the structural, like. Let's take these ideas and like arrange them into like a cohesive uh, episode, Great. you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Like he 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 understands like the guidelines and what's going to work and what executives will and won't like. Um, and it, the show certainly like pushed a lot of boundaries as far as characters go. Um, that's a good question. I think. I can't think of any specific examples, but I remember they cover this in. Uh, in uh, uh, Room to Dream, and I remember hearing the the characters that David Lynch would write for, and they were all kind of the quirkier ones. Sure. Like, I, I'm pretty sure he wrote a lot of Kimmy Robertson, uh, Lucy, the secretary's uh, dialogue. Okay, and yeah. And kind of that, like, real weird, like, goofy shit. Um, <laughs> I think it'll become more and more... Uh, obvious as we kind of work through this but uh yeah i would love for you to point that out yeah when you, i would when say you, david lynch yeah. is like the has fucking wild ideas and mark frost is like the guy who is like totally a necessity of the duo that just makes sure that it can actually like translate to television yeah because um, I, I think like obviously like you know jack nance seems like a person that lynch is writing um also like i there's a scene with major garland briggs and I think that's mm. got to be all Lynch, right? Like he's like that character yeah. is just so it's just something out of a David Lynch film, right? He's this fucking yeah. military major who's supposed to be super uptight, but incredibly existentially pensive. Like uh, can can filter a conversation through the whole scope of the universe and all of time itself. Like seems to always be able to see both sides of the coin. And it's like, oh, that's a character I've never, ever seen before or again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I th- there will be there will be some of those uh, through some more of those throughout the series. But uh, yeah, I mean, da- w- one of the things I read from Mark Frost is he has this big book that I'm looking at it, but I can't see the title of it but it's it's like a whole like history of twin peaks and uh sort of the 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 uh, it's it's kind of hard to 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 describe without giving giving away spoilers but he um does a lot a lot of like the justification and sort of the longer uh the longer uh story arcs and things like this yeah Um, yeah yeah more more of the more of the like what Practical. actually happens in this show as opposed to yeah. the little odds and ends thing. Yes. And right. David Lynch is of course much more visual. Uh yeah. Right. I think this is again too like if you're listening to this show and you're not absolutely fascinated by what, what we're talking about maybe reconsider listening cuz this is to me like this kind of stuff is like the most fascinating stuff rather than just like like walking through the plot 
th- as told by Wikipedia. <laughs> like yeah. this to me is like why we're doing this. It's like to talk about this kind of stuff because you don't, I, you know, like these are stuff, questions I've always had about the show. I've never bothered to look up or never bothered to like research. And I'm ex- super excited to like kind of get into the bones of because yeah. it's, it is, I think it's arguably more important than what happens in each episode chronologically, you know, like, you could say Agent Cooper goes to the restaurant and likes the coffee, and it's like that's not really doing it justice, right? <laughs> like, right? Uh, no, there's something bigger at play here and more interesting. Yeah. So I'm I'm super glad. I think it's important to discuss this type of type of stuff, especially before we get going on it, because once we start rolling on this, I f- I feel like it's gonna go fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's interesting. So that's. I just kind of decided that's going to be something I'm going to like keep in my mind's eye when I'm revisiting the series is sort of like trying to pinpoint like what was a Mark Frost idea and what was a David Lynch idea and maybe learning a bit more about Frost. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I, uh, so the idea of doubles uh, and doppelgangers comes up. This isn't really a spoiler because it's, the show is called Twin Peaks um, and I have been like consciously looking out for like doubles of things, and it's very interesting. Uh, how many once you once you start looking for that, I, d- I don't even know what you're talking about. Like this, this is great. Like you yeah. mean like this? The whole series kind of has a thematic like pairs pairings of stuff. Mm-hmm. I know that mm-hmm. I know doppelgangers will come up at some point because i do remember big plot points that kind of center around maybe two of the same person or whatever but um that's interesting to know that like there is the twin peaks is more than just the name of the place it is like kind of the thesis of the show that Mm -hmm. for every good thing there's an evil thing is that kind of it I think you're getting somewhere with that. Okay. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. I th- I think I'm I'm kind of tiptoeing around. Oh, that's you know, fine. Spoilers yeah, yeah. and I, things I gotcha. like this. I gotcha. I gotcha. Cool. Uh, cool. But yeah. So uh, real quick, Lynch and Frost uh, were working together on a a, a film about uh, Marilyn Monroe uh, by Warner Brothers, and they kind of became friends that way. Uh, the film never happened, obviously. Uh, I guess that would probably be pretty good. A David Lynch. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe uh, biopic. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. That would have been like a weird thing for him to do after Blue Velvet, but... I mean, I could whatever. see it in that hyper-stylized, like, Lost Highway version of the Marilyn Monroe story, you know? But I don't think it would be like... Like how we think of biopics. You know, David Lynch would have never done that. <laughs> yeah. He would have never made, like, um, a boring, like, walk-the-line type of thing. Yeah. Uh, before, before they got to Twin Peaks, they also worked on One Saliva Bubble, which was a film, uh, I believe more of a comedy satire kind of thing with Steve Martin attached, uh, to star in. Um, and then, uh, Lynch's agent, uh, encouraged them to do a TV show. So they developed the town before the characters. I know that they went crazy with like creating maps and they would like bring in like to their pitch meeting they brought in like a map of the town. Uh, which is interesting to me. They kind of started developing the town before any of the plot or the characters or anything, which is, uh, I think that kind of, kind of shows. In it, the, in oh the film. yes, it absolutely or shows. It, I think yeah. it's a great way 
to establish like world building early on is you kind of start with what is the world as opposed to starting with like, I don't know, uh, there's a murder and then a cop comes and then, you know what I mean? Instead of inventing stuff all the time, you're like, well, who lives here? Like, I love that. I think that's Mm -hmm. great. (laughs) Um, Frost remembers that he and Lynch came up with the notion of the girl next door leading a desperate double life that would end in murder. Uh, so there's your, your doubles, uh, Lynch and Frost, uh, Pitch pitched the idea to ABC uh, during a writer's strike, and uh, yeah, there was there was kind of a delay, like between I think it's like a year and a half or something between the pilot and episode one coming out. Uh, so they wrote a pilot for ABC. Uh, they wrote the screenplay in ten days. Uh, they filmed it all, uh, most of it, up in up in uh, Roseland, Washington, I believe, which is a uh, I don't know, somewhere out there in Washington, but they, uh, it sounds fucking great. It sounds like, uh, the filming of this was so fun cause they were all staying in that hotel. They were all staying in the great Northern, like everyone, the cast and crew for a matter of, I, I think a couple weeks. Okay. And so that's a real hotel, the great Northern. Yeah. Great. Oh yeah. It's like on my, one of my like, uh, bucket list locations to to check out dude what i mean Um, like we should literally do that this fucking year like we should do that sometime because flights to washington for me i'm sure would be like nothing if we go at the right time yeah i'm down i'm open to it no we got let's Uh, do it let's do it for like my birthday or some shit all right when's your birthday august so plenty of time to plan (laughs) (laughs) yeah we can figure it out yeah um okay so, so they filmed the pilot. Uh, my notes are all out of order. Doesn't really matter. I, it, you know, I just like talking about. Uh, 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 I, I like the line of conversation that we've been having. We don't have to do like all of the. I feel like a lot of this like uh, research and uh, sort of like the production background is just going to come up mm-hmm. naturally sure. as we go through the plot. The one thing I do want to say is uh, so they filmed the pilot with an agreement with ABC that they would shoot an additional ending uh, so that it could be sold directly to video in Europe as a feature film if the TV show is not picked up. Right. So this is something uh, the European version I had never seen before, and they have it on this fucking Blu-ray box set that I got, and I watched it for the first time. Um, and what was interesting about it is there's 20 minutes extra and a good chunk of the footage we see in, I believe episode two, which is the next one David Lynch directs. Mm -hmm. Um, he directs the first two episodes, the pilot and that one. He directs the pilot and episode two. Episode one was directed by, uh, the guy who directed, uh, fucking, um, Wild at Heart, which there's a whole, there's a whole. So the guy, uh, Dwayne Dunham, who directed uh, the pilot, mm-hmm. or no, directed uh, episode one. Um, basically, David Lynch want he was working on a project. Lynch wanted him to do, to to uh, edit Wild at Heart, and he was like, "Well, if you can like figure out a way, I can be a director on something." And sweeten the deal. Maybe I'll maybe I'll agree to do it. Oh, so, so this David guy Lynch edited like, Wild at Heart. 
Yeah, he edited it. Sorry. Oh, great. And yeah, Li- yeah, yeah. Yes. And Lynch was like, Lynch was like, uh, you know what? Twin Peaks just got picked up. You can direct the first episode uh, if you mm-hmm. edit Wild at Heart. We'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, so the pilot, uh, let's see here. It aired April 12th, 1990. Uh, let's dive into the plot, shall we? Folks, you know, the, uh, the this this hasn't... We've been doing this podcast for, uh, what, uh, eight or nine months at this point? Uh-huh. First time someone has cut the line that we uh, that we set up, the 2,000-mile line between Chicago and L.A., our right. tin can on a string uh, yeah. set up. I think I, we it might have been like thing. a fox or like a bear or something maybe got tangled up in it. Yeah, you know what? it, it You know what it might have been? It might have been fucking... Uh, Bob oh, from uh, okay. from Twin Peaks from Bob's Burgers, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what are you? What's your overall? You you said you like the opening. You're a fan of the opening. I'm a you big fan the of the song. opening. I really like the extended version of it. I love that they do it once and then they immediately, like from every episode subsequently, they kind of pare it down. But I gotta say, the visuals with that theme song is out of sight. Are you a fan of the music? Dude, I could I have a playlist uh that's just like every song that I like and I will pl- throw that baby on shuffle every time the Twin Peaks theme song comes on, I never skip it. I will like listen to that song in my car. It's so good. And you know, you hear it sampled all the time and people try to you know, at least like spiritually like copy it. A lot, you know, like you hear a lot of other sure. bands trying to be this song, you know, like this this type of this this style of music. It's it's just very, I don't know, prolific. It it's got this timeless quality, but but also being like super eighties at the same time. It's it's very cool. It's a very cool uh, opening. Are you are you a fan of the opening? Like what what they're doing visually. I could watch that shit all day. Awesome. I could watch just like the fucking sparks coming off of the little saw. Yeah. I love it. And like the bird um, and stuff. Yes, the bird, the water that's like the, the like reddish water. I guess so David Lynch like has this sort of like reddish like tint, like went for this sort of like reddish tint to the appearance of the show and he like gave a note to the studio that that wasn't like an error that it was like intentional. Right. Um, like don't take the red out of this. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So we see, um, we, we, we see, uh, Laura Palmer's body, uh, wrapped in plastic, uh, (laughs) up on the shore there. And, uh, I believe the first line of the episode is, uh, the lonesome foghorn blows or something along those lines. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and we see Harry Truman go over there and, uh, take a look at the body there. Um, we see... It's Jack Nance that finds the body, right? It is Jack Nance. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so our notes do not have, uh, the exact chronology of what happens before Cooper, uh, shows up, but, uh, let's see. So we meet Audrey Horn, Mm -hmm. uh, we meet, uh, James and I believe Donna and we kind of 
see uh, what happens when uh, Leland uh, and um, Grace Zabriskie's character uh, mm-hmm. find out that their daughter is dead. Very, her performance is like unbelievable. Uh, both of them, I think. Like, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, both of them. Yeah, they they just break down in such like a real way. It's such a grounded way to start the show. Like tonally, you know, it's just like. I guess I just am a big fan of the way this opens because it's so clean. It's just, here's a murder and here's how it affects everyone in the town. Like when they yes. have to pull Ray Weiss out of the meeting to tell him his daughter's been killed, it's fucking yeah. sucks. <laughs> yes. And you can see like the, yes, he, when he's he's on the phone and then his expression when he sees Truman approaching is like, fucking heartbreaking it's like it's really really very real the Mm -hmm. the the uh, announcement over the uh in in the high school there that the principal does i mean it's all like very very real i've been like there have been like kids who died at my high school and stuff and it was like kind of like this it was like uh Uh, it's like really fucking sad it's it's really really fucking sad uh but yeah, so Dale Cooper arrives and this is like halfway through. We get like pretty far into the episode until Cooper arrives, but he's called in when uh, Ronette Pulaski, who attended the same high school as Palmer, was found wandering on a bridge before lapsing into a coma. Um, so which, Ronette... Which is crazy. Like, yeah, her... I guess her part in this is... In- incredibly small considering she's such a big piece of the puzzle yes but it's like i guess it's established pretty early on that she doesn't remember anything thus counting discrediting her as like a device to make the plot move forward but it's just like it's so frustrating the whole time because you want her to just spill the beans like what the fuck happened like you know what i mean and she was there but she just doesn't remember yeah that would spoil like the entire series if she was just like still conscious and like fully remembered everything right Uh, but she's not no uh so yeah and her her father works at the uh the lumber mill there that's that's why they 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 closed it down Uh, that's why pat josie packard closed it down but Mm. uh Cooper believes that there's a connection between Palmer's death and the death of another girl named Teresa Banks uh, that happened a year earlier. And we should, like, Uh, so Cooper's intro is very interesting, right? He's in a car. Is that the first time we see him? Yes. This is, like, iconic. Yeah. There's so many really iconic moments Mm -hmm. in this. But, yeah, that his just whole, like, opening monologue about, like, I've got to find out what kind of trees these are and mm-hmm. like all the different shit that he says to Diane who uh, we, I guess, uh, are to assume is some type of a uh, assistant uh, to him in some capacity. Right. We'll like we never see it. Diane, but we always hear he's always talking to someone named Diane, but not on the phone. He's doing it over a voice memo recorder. Yes. Yeah, I think that um, something I noticed this go around that I wanted to share was that so Agent Dale Cooper, arguably the most compelling part of the show, I think by design too. Mm-hmm. He is arguably the main character and like the arguably the most fun character. And I think what makes him so iconic, so fun, so memorable, and so watchable 
is that they're doing this fish out of water story as if the fish like loved being out of water. <laughs> like eight, uh, yeah. special agent Dale Cooper, he, he like revels in the idea of having, of getting to like stay in this quaint, rustic old, you know, lumber town essentially like oh, he yeah. loves twin peaks he loves the hotel he loves the pie he loves the coffee like he is getting a kick out of this in a way that you don't see very often in a, in a typical fish out of water story the person like has to adjust and like hates it and there's all these like funny hijinks about them getting into trouble because they don't know the rules of what they're doing but agent dale cooper embraces it so fervently that it becomes like almost like a joke. It's like the source of the humor is coming from Dale Cooper, like almost loving the place too much. And I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with you. There is like there. One thing that made me laugh really hard that I forgot about is when, uh, I believe when they're going to see, uh, it's, it's Cooper and Truman and they're in a hallway. Uh, and, Truman, I believe, is telling him about the Douglas firs. Like he asks what kind of trees they are, and he's they're having this like pleasant conversation about trees. And then, just like with no tone shift, Cooper is like, "So, uh, what can you tell me about the dead girl or yeah. whatever?" Um, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, they play that that type of joke. They will repeat throughout the entire series. It, the joke is always. Here's this pleasant thing about Twin Peaks. Here's this thing that everyone's really enjoying. Here's this quaint, cool thing Cooper's learning. But also, we got to get back to the murder. It's always like yes. the the one-two punch of the of the humor. I think in this show. Yep. Yeah. Um. So Cooper discovers a small piece of paper with the letter R on it under uh, Laura's fingernail. Uh. He tells Truman that under Banks's nail, he found a T. Uh, meanwhile, the Palmer family and friends struggle to come to terms with their death and wonder how it might have come about. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's putting it lightly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty brutal. So it's, at this at, at this point, we have like let's like illustrate some of the characters, right? Just so we all mm-hmm. we can give each one of them their little their little time in the sun. So I think that. Agent Dale Cooper, we've already kind of established that's Kyle MacLachlan, famous iconic role, role of a lifetime, arguably. Um, mm-hmm. We have Truman, who I don't know this actor. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Michael I've ever Ankin. seen him again. In anything, I don't think I have either. But yeah. um, I love him. Yeah, I like everyone like in this is. I, I, I'm a big fan of. We have uh, Madgen Amick, uh, who is Shelley Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, waitress over there at the double R. Yeah, uh, she's very, she's like strikingly beautiful uh, and young, right? That's like one of, she's like mm-hmm. maybe just out of high school or still in high school or something. Yeah. yeah. And uh, abusive uh, Leo, her, her boyfriend is abusive trucker guy. A- abusive trucker with a ponytail, Leo Johnson, who's uh-huh. like, he's like a character of a bad boyfriend. Like not, yep. <laughs> like he's so insane and over the top. Uh, we have uh, Dana Ashbrook as Bobby Briggs. So, oh yeah, Bobby is like the Joker. He like presents as like the Joker <laughs> when you first meet him. He's like this wild teen who's like he's Laura Palmer's current boyfriend at the time she was killed. Yeah, so he's very important, but he is like a shithead, a complete shithead. 
Yeah, but there is like he's there's something like charming about him too. Like he's a very like interesting. Like he definitely sucks. Like th- this person in real life would like be horrible to be around. But there, I don't know. There's something. Maybe it's kind of like the '90s aesthetic or something. Yeah, that, he reminds uh, me of Sean Hunter from Boy Meets World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good comparison. Another thing, while we're talking about uh, time periods, is something that David Lynch likes to do, and he did this in Blue Velvet too. Is he likes to be kind of ambiguous with like when this is all happening. Mm-hmm. Like we get like a lot of like the double R is like a very like kind of like '50s diner, but then there's like. Uh, arguably some some elements that are more like 80s and you're kind of there's like he kind of like picks different like aesthetics and different quirks of different time periods yeah and and, and i feel doesn't like doesn't establish a, a set like this is 1990 or whatever right well because like it's weird because i think kyle mclaughlin's character brings an element of m- modernity to it like he his voice memo recorder i think it is like pretty new technology for the time so i think when you're watching this mm. you're like oh, he's a man of our time and this is a town that is outside of time kind of thing. Right. Um, so we have Benjamin Horn, uh, who yep. is like the town fucking rich scoundrel, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he has a daughter, Audrey Horn, who's uh, Cheryl, uh, Cheryl, Sherilyn Fenn. Yeah. So one thing I want to point out too is that Sherilyn Fenn and Laura Flynn Boyle, I got them confused a lot like okay not just like the actors their names characters? but like kind of their characters so audrey horn is the kind of elusive sort of catwoman esque daughter of benjamin yes horn. she's the one that goes into the meeting with the uh the uh fucking uh the foreigners that yes. uh, ben horn is trying to like do a business deal with and she's like uh she been murdered mm-hmm. she has that line um yeah that's her yeah and she's just kind of like a little like rich kid like brat brat yeah um, and and donna hayward who's but, laura yeah. flynn boyle's character she's like this very sweet um new laura best friends with laura palmer uh kind of looks like her i think there's they make some allusions to like her looking like laura palmer uh hmm perhaps well like i definitely mm-hmm. in episode one the Laura Palmer's mom like sees Laura Palmer's face in Laura Flynn Boyle and like freaks okay. out. Remember? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I have a, I, I love there's, there is a cover. There's a magazine cover mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I'll, that I'll tweet out that I'm sure you've seen before. That's Madchen Amick, Laura Flynn Boyle and Sherilyn Fenn all wearing like jeans and like white, like sleeveless t-shirts awesome and like hugging each other awesome that is like uh the <laughs> it's 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 fucking wild is but, it uh, just like white uh, people like like three white women who look identical basically yes yeah but they're all like just fucking like gorgeous mm-hmm. they're like very very pretty are you more of a audrey horn guy or a donna hayward guy you know, my first viewing when I was when I was a much younger man, uh, I I was definitely very uh, attracted to Audrey Horn. Mm-hmm. Now watching her as like a thirty year old man, I'm like, this fuck like, I would hate this person yeah. in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would think, and and these are all you know, uh, high I guess high school. Th- these are older people playing high school students. But I will say, so I. I 
I will say I I do think uh, uh, I'm more of a Mad Dynamic uh, uh, fan. I think I I think I I think they're all very they're very beautiful and they're also all very good uh, at what they do. But awesome. uh, yes, yes. Um, I don't want to get into a wormhole where we're, we're being like misogynist, but that is like <laughs> that is like an element to the show. Like they played on that when the show was out. That's why I bring up the magazine cover. Is they played on that as like there's some like very. Uh, beautiful actresses in this that um you know oh for sure yeah and yeah. i don't i don't and i'm yeah again i'm not trying to advocate this in a gross way but i i also feel like it's almost like asking like are you more of like the madonna or the whore g- guy you know what i mean like it's right. almost like they're, they're playing on like laura flynn boyle is the virgin and cheryl fenn is the slut or whatever like that's that's right. what we're kind of led to believe by the personas of each one of these although laura flynn boyle is kind of mixed up in some dark shit with Laura Palmer. We'll find more, mm-hmm. out more about that later. Mm-hmm. But then uh, sounds like a hug. Looks like a hug to me. Looks like <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got the great Peggy Lipton as Norma Jennings. So Norma works yes. at, at oh, the diner. Peggy, you know what? I'm a Peggy guy through and through. Forget about yeah. Magic Yeah, she's great. Give me a Peggy. She's great. Rest it, in peace, by the way. She's she passed away. Yeah, not too long ago. I think. Oh my gosh. About a year ago. Yeah. I had no idea. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she was seventy-two years old. Wow. Yes, and she's in the return, and she looks fucking great in that too. That is uh, insane. Yeah. that's a bu- that's a huge bummer. I had no idea. But yeah, Norma is great, great character. Um, and uh, Big Ed is Big Ed Hurley, Everett McGill, who we saw Everett McGill in Dune. Oh yeah, he's a. Uh, they're sleeping together, Norma and Big Ed Hurley. They're having an yes. affair. Yeah, it's, he owns the gas station, mm-hmm. and his son is James Hurley or James yep. Marshall, who's the motorcycle guy, mm-hmm. and that's who Laura Palmer has been hooking up with instead of Bobby. Like that, she's been cheating on him with yeah, with yeah, cheating on Bobby with James. So yes, he becomes a person of interest because like upon like at the time of her death like bobby was actually kind of out of the picture at that point james was more more like like he saw her like the day she died stuff like that um pete martell is jack nance he is married to Catherine martell right are they siblings Mm -hmm. they're married they're married right okay Um, yeah yeah, yeah. hate each other hate each other uh Catherine martell is another rich asshole from the town like she's sleeping with Benjamin Horn. Yes. Um, and then you have uh, Jocelyn Packard, who's played by the great Joan Chen. She is the heir to the big Packard mill, and she is uh-huh. sleeping with uh, uh, Sheriff Harry S. Truman. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Truman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Le- Leland, as uh, Leland. played by Ray, Ray Wise. The great um, Ray Wise, who's such an amazing performer the guy is top notch i mean he i don't know if you're a tim and eric fan but all of his stuff he did for them was just fucking awesome eric Um, i gotta say it's a it's a huge bummer knowing that peggy lipton died also knowing that like all these people are kind of in their 70s now (laughs) yeah i know um 
Re- uh, yeah. The I guess the only there's there's other characters. The only other one uh, that I see that might be well, Andy. Andy is great. Yeah, uh, Andy's great. Sheriff Andy or uh, yeah, Deputy Andy. Um, Dr. Lawrence Jacoby, played by Russ Tamblin, mm-hmm. uh, is very good. Uh, Piper Laurie plays. Oh, I'm sorry, not Piper Laurie. Uh, where is she? Um, uh, Kimmy Robertson plays Lucy Moran, which is probably mm-hmm. a a play on the word moron. Um, <laughs> um, and of course, uh, Cheryl Lee plays Lara, Laura Palmer, and uh, she comes up later. Yeah, we'll, as we'll another see, character. We'll yeah, Cheryl we'll see Lee her later. Again. Yeah. So that's oh. like that's like a brief overview of all the characters. So when we're talking about yes. them, that's some context for. Yes. Yeah. And I will say it might seem because uh, we've both seen this before, mm-hmm. so we kind of like know these characters. It might seem overwhelming. Um. I don't know. I can't remember how I felt my first time watching it, but uh, you'll grow to love all these characters. Yes. They're, uh, they're all, they've all got very wonderful quirks. Also, on another episode, when we have more time, uh, I'm going to share my, my Sherilyn Fenn story. I, I met Sherilyn Fenn at a, at a oh, deli. Shit. Oh, really? Angeles. Wow. Um, but it's more of a, it takes a while to explain. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, I can't wait yeah. to hear it. Yeah, that I, I feel like, just like with any soap opera, you're getting it's the the uphill battle is figuring out who all these people are right it's like it's like (laughs) figuring out like what the hell's going on but once you get the hang of it like any great you know show that you're dropping into kind of midway through you know it it doesn't take long but once you get into it it's like oh great like the rewards are a plenty because yeah these all they're, they're all great characters they all have great arcs they all there's a lot of character movement in them. Like mm. Bobby's a character who I fucking hated. And then once you get more into his story, you're like, Oh, I actually don't hate this guy. I love this guy actually, you know? Um, so yeah. Um, so, uh, back to the plot, mm-hmm. believing that the, in, this is the same killer who struck the previous year. Cooper starts an official investigation uh, meanwhile, uh, the rebellious Audrey Horn ruins a business deal for her mm-hmm. father, Benjamin. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, Truman arrests Palmer's boyfriend, Bobby Briggs. Yep, uh, motorcycle. Oh, no, 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 no. Bobby Briggs, who's like the Bobby. fucking jackass. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being like a total uh, shithead. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's sleeping with Shelly, which is the mm-hmm. young waitress from the RR Diner. Yes. Okay. Uh, so she's married to Leo. She's married, married to, to Leo, Leo, and Bobby is seeing Shelley on the side. So Bobby's like already him and Laura are together, but it, it doesn't make sense. Like why? They're yeah. Neither one of them are see, really seeing each other. One of the things that I fucking love about this show is how quotable it is. Yes. And uh, in that moment where Shelley and Bobby are going back to Shelley's, like before he has football practice, and they're like. She hands him a flask and says, light your fire, cowboy, is great. Oh, yeah. And also, one of my favorite lines of the series uh, is when she says, uh, quit, quit, uh, what does he say? Quit, quit worrying and start scurrying, Mr. Touchdown. Oh, that's great. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Well, it's it's like so stylized, right? Like, I wouldn't call this show like a noir, but some of the dialogue is very reminiscent of like a 1930s or 40s film noir. Oh, yeah. It's very, it's like, there's a, sel- a self-awareness to it, I think. Yeah. Maybe it is actually more of a noir than I'm giving it credit for, because it is all about detectives and stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it is. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Palmer's best friend Donna and Palmer's uh, secret boyfriend James discover a mutual attraction, uh, and Laura's mother is terrified by a vision. Okay, that's a <laughs> distillation. Yeah. Uh, so I guess yeah. Donna and James, in the wake of like her death, are embracing kind of each other. Yes. Yeah. James is a oh really cool character. I love. I don't know. He's he's like yeah. He's, he's like this prototypical like weird nineteen fifties ideal teen he's just like very gushy and affectionate mm-hmm. he's like he's he's so fucking cheesy but it's 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 pretty uh it's pretty charming to watch when he uh that line when he's like i'm sorry no i'm not or he's like, <laughs> i changed my mind i'm not yeah yeah uh there's a lot of that we'll get a lot of that kind of shit yeah. from james donna's and, also uh, pretty cheesy yeah. too they're both like oh yeah they're both like again like ki- like idyllic kids from the fifties. Like what, like back to the future style, like what we thought was like cool fit or like not cool, but like a typical fifties teen or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, uh, the episode has two different endings. Uh, yes. So the American version ends with, uh, the above events concluded by Sarah Palmer's nightmare of a hand, Mm-hmm. Uh, digging into the ground and grabbing James's half of a necklace that belonged to Laura. Yeah. Um. So we don't uh, remind me in in the fucking f- in the pilot. Do we see uh, Bob, the man at the foot of the bed? I can't remember. Uh, no, I don't okay. think so. That's in episode one. Okay, great. Um. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, because I was wondering, uh, getting confused with the uh, the European and the American version. Uh, is, I don't know if you've heard, bo- folks, is, but I've seen both. Is Bob? <laughs> wow, what a what a brag! Uh, is the uh, is is Bob featured in the European ending? Um, he may or may not be. Okay, he may or may not be. I will say a lot of what we see in the European ending we see later on. Uh, I just don't want to get into spoiler territory, but uh, cool. Okay, yeah, we will uh, be discussing Bob. So yeah, uh, we, we should also you... mention that Bob is not named even in either episode. So we've already spoiled something right. by well, saying that there is yeah. a Bob. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, so Jeremy, yeah. what do you, uh, how do you feel about the pilot? I, I, you know, I took a pilot writing class when I lived in LA and, uh, the teacher kind of like opened it to suggestions of what pilots we should watch, what people thought were like the best pilots mm-hmm. that exist. And I was like, I made everyone in that class watch the Twin Peaks pilot because oh, cool. I do think Granted, it is 90 minutes long uh, and it has mm-hmm. a lot of time to do things. Uh, I do think it's a perfect pilot. I really yeah. do. I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. I think it, I think the word I would describe the Twin Peaks pilot is iconic. And I don't know if this is just because I've rewatched or I've, I've attempted to rewatch the show so many times and not gotten very far in subsequent attempts that I feel like I've seen this pilot seven or eight times in my life, starting mm. all the way back in like 2006. <laughs> like I've yeah. like, I, I like, I remember pirating <laughs> this pilot on like fucking Kazaa, you know? So like, I love this pilot. I think this, it, it's full of charm and character and you get a big, very like, again, it has 90 minutes to, to do its thing. So you get like a, just a nice deep, 
swath of everybody's character and who everybody is to each other. I also think that something that wasn't mentioned, but in the pilot, you get that extended creepy sequence of Audrey Horn sneaking into the whorehouse, right? And posing as a prostitute and her dad, Benjamin Horn, like creeping on her. That's not, that's, is that not in this episode? No, I don't think so. Oh, forgive me then. Cut that out. Cut, okay. cut, cut, cut everything I've said out. <laughs> no, okay. uh, it is. I, I I thought that was in that episode, but I guess maybe not. Um, no, that's later. Later on. I okay, think. maybe we don't uh, even know about the whorehouse yet. But um, no. But yeah, uh, no. Jacks, that being but, said, does James get arrested in this episode? Yeah, he, he gets. Does. He gets. He gets arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I believe that Harry rolls up on him, uh, like right when him and Donna are like making out in the middle right. of the road there. And whatever. but do we get the barking? Is that or is that an episode one? <laughs> That's an episode one. Okay, that's great. at the beginning of episode great. one. Well, so, uh, yeah. What do you? I mean, you you think it's a perfect pilot? I kind of think it's a perfect pilot. I feel like we've covered the big plot points. Do you want to just jump into episode one? (laughs) (laughs) Let's jump into episode one. I do want to say real quickly that, uh, something that's just, okay. Two things. The, uh, fucking Blu-ray box set is, uh, it's already paying off my man. They have two options that I can add on to each episode. One is the log lady intro, which, the log lady does like a little intro. I don't know if it's for every episode, but they're like 30 seconds long. And it's just her sitting with her log, like talking about like how the show is weird or something Yeah, and sort of setting it up. And then uh, what I've been watching along with these is the, they have like a previously on from like when they originally aired. Um, So it's like these little recaps of, of uh, you know, everything that happened. But uh the other thing I wanted to mention about the pilot is when they released uh, the series on VHS and then in the first, I think, release of the DVDs, there were rights issues, so they never released the series with the pilot. So, like, people that bought it just, like, had to jump in with episode one. Oh, weird. Like, yeah. How, I can't, Which, I can't like, imagine that. You would have no idea what's going on. No. At, and, and, and and that would just suck because so much great iconic shit comes from the pilot. So it's like, no. I'll, I, I almost feel like the pilot is the, the driving force that keeps you going for the rest of at least season one because it, it, it's so good. And then not that anything in season one is bad, but it's like, that's like, uh, you, ne- you need that. You need that like fire to spark your interest into caring about like... <laughs> you know, Benjamin Horn and uh, Peggy. Uh, no, not Peggy. Uh, whatever. Catherine Martell sleeping together. Martell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need that kind of stuff or like the setup of, you know, just like I feel like the setup of the police in general of Twin Peaks, like mm-hmm. Andy and and um, Lucy and, and Harry S. Truman. Like you need, you need like the context to like know yeah. who a agent dale cooper is and stuff like that's that's really strange the break episode ladies and gentlemen we uh you know we haven't been taking breaks i feel like we've earned the uh four or five that we've taken uh, (laughs) this episode so far this is a big Um, one though this is like a big episode and i'm excited to give it the time it needs to breathe it's big 
And once we once I whittle it down, it'll be a good twenty, a tight twenty five minutes. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, we mentioned Dwayne Dunham, how he direct, how he came to direct it and everything. Uh, he, D- Dunham also was the editor on Blue Velvet. I forgot to mention that. Um, so uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention about Dunham is uh, I read that he uh, retained the, uh, the frequent, frequent use of static cameras as seen in the pilot, uh, something that he saw as a trademark of Lynch's directing style, describing it as liked fra- like framed pictures which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, get out our fucking shovels and uh, dig into this bad boy. So uh, we get <laughs> we get an upside-down <laughs> Dale Cooper uh, right away. Uh, w- one thing I want to say is I love that this man travels with uh, whatever those boots are that allow yes. you to just be upside-down. What is... <laughs> what are those for? It's it's not a workout thing, is it? Um, it might. I mean, I know that people do those like upside, like curling or whatever, where they like they're like doing sit ups, but they're upside down. I don't know if he was doing that. I always kind of interpreted it as um, it's sort of a yoga thing, mm-hmm. like uh, it's like an inversion, uh, which is whenever your heart is above your head, uh, and it just kind of like reverses the blood flow. Uh, oh. I've always thought that. That seems more of Cooper's speed rather than, although he is pretty in shape. I I, I think it's more of a, uh, I don't know, some kind of a yoga or meditative thing. I love um, it. I love it. So yeah, Cooper uh, has breakfast at the Great Northern. He's j- enjoying a damn fine cup of coffee. He, uh, he he. Could you imagine like you're working as a as a waiter and uh you serve a cup of coffee to someone and they make you watch watch them sip it and uh tell tell you that it's the best coffee they've ever tried no no i can't imagine that but i do <laughs> love it <laughs> it is great it is like so charming but it's fun he's oh man he's a funny guy but uh audrey horn shows up um and uh, is very flirtatious. Uh, I believe the line that he's delivering when he notices her is something along the lines of fresh melons, which was... Mm-hmm. Freshly squeezed. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Fresh, freshly squeezed melons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like a line from a Jim Carrey 99. <laughs> yeah. It's like in, uh, me, myself, and Irene. Oh, yeah, for something. sure. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, they have this kind of like flirtatious back and forth, uh, sort of establishing uh, potential uh, love connection kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, Cooper makes his way to the sheriff's department where he and Truman discuss the day's plans. Uh, they interview Dr. Hayward, uh, who has had an autopsy conducted of Palmer's body, and they learned that Laura had had sex with at least three men the night she died. Right. So this is interesting because we're getting a deeper look into Laura. I think the whole first episode makes you think, like, Laura was this angel. She was this perfect angel. We know Mm -hmm. that there was some weird stuff going on with James, but that could just be, like, young love. You know what I mean? Like... I feel like it's in this episode we get a clearer picture. Like, Laura is not who we think she is. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. And there is, uh, I think in the pilot, there's mention of cocaine. Oh, there uh, is. Okay. God. Diary I... with the key. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So the cocaine is a big, that's a big deal. 
so that's I guess oh yeah kind of never mind what I said but I do think I do think yeah like this sex with multiple guys and that also could be not consensual so maybe it's not fair to be like oh yeah Laura's like a, a psychopath but I think yeah so whenever we find out that she's been using cocaine I remember thinking watching the I guess it would be the pilot I was like oh yeah. fuck oh interesting this isn't this isn't going to be like yeah. clean. Yeah. That's a pretty important moment because, because uh, yeah, uh, Truman, uh, his reaction was like, oh, you don't know Laura Palmer. She wouldn't like do cocaine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say uh, after season two, you know, we'll, we'll, when we get to it chronologically, Fire Walk With Me is a prequel that is, it, I think people should watch it after they see the series. Oh, interesting. Seasons. Yeah. Um, but it is a prequel and it kind of uh it's basically the the final like week of Laura Palmer's life. And, it's very uh, interesting. And I the won't same actor is playing Laura Palmer? Yes. Okay. Yep. Different uh actor for Donna though, which is Oh, Laura Flynn Boyle like, didn't return. Um but yes, yeah, same 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 uh actor yeah. for for uh, Laura Palmer. So uh, Shelly Johnson uh, is about to leave for work when her abusive hu- husband, Leo, uh, demands she do more laundry. <laughs> yeah, uh, he goes, now, Shelly. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's insane. I mean, just like an over-the-top jackass. Uh, yeah, I, I want to yeah. dub in more lines for Leo where he like, he's like, you didn't do all the laundry, and then he hands her a bag of clothes she had never seen before, like had no idea that was in his truck, you know? And I just want him to be like, you didn't do do all of it. My murder laundry. Like, (laughs) what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, hide your fucking murder clothes, you weirdo. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, She finds a bloodstained shirt among the clothes, hides it uh, before he notices. However, he later realizes it's missing. Uh, when she returns home that night, he questions her about the whereabouts and beats her with a bar of soap in a, ra- uh, in a sock. Yeah. So I want to, I was wondering, scene. um, cause I think this is sort of an intentional, what is it? A red herring? What is it? Yeah. Well, when you like misdirect, it's a, yeah, both like, those things, red herring, okay, misdirect. Red herring. Yeah. Um, we see in that sort of unfinished room in Shelly and Leo's place, there's a whole bunch of plastic wrap. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that, but I, I kind of, um, I think I noticed it for the first time this time. I was like, sure. I wonder if that was supposed to be sort of like a, uh, sort of hinting at maybe Leo right. is, the, uh, is the murderer. Or I, something. I think it's, it's crazy. Cause like Leo is definitely, they're definitely hinting that Leo is a psycho and a weirdo and probably killed Laura Palmer or maybe had something to do with it. But like our, our investigative skills as the audience pretty much rule him out immediately. Right. Because it's, it would be too obvious. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so who who is kind of being set up as the potential murderer? We have Jacoby, yes, uh, Leo, Leo, Bobby, James. Al- I, I would also Bobby James, who we, I think we rule them out immediately too. I also think Benjamin Horn was a suspect mm. that I thought early on. I also think that, um, yeah, the Martell 
like the woman, yeah. uh, Catherine, whatever, Martel, like, or Patel, whatever their name. Fuck, what are their names? Martel. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Catherine Martel was another. Just anyone who was like uh, sort of evil and conniving, but not like uh super evil like leo johnson you know what i mean like yeah like leo is like too is like too obvious or something i don't know but yeah i remember early on thinking pretty much unless they were going to do something like make sheriff truman the killer then they were going to go the route of benjamin horn um yeah jacoby was interesting yes um, um, is it revealed in this episode that Laura Palmer and Jacoby also had a sexual relationship? Uh, well, kind of in like a roundabout way. Okay, uh, we'll get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, at the end of it. But um, if you're listening and you and you uh, have not seen Twin Peaks before. <laughs> I would love, I would genuinely love to hear who you think the killer is going to be based on this and like how that progresses as you're listening to this, because we don't find out until a while. um, Yeah. I want to know what people are thinking because, yeah, it's hard for me to judge uh, and it's also very hard to uh, not spoil things. It's hard Uh, to talk about it without talking in future tense it's it's hard for me to talk about uh fucking um the bird in the opening because (laughs) i just know that he ends up being the killer yeah right yeah yeah it's hard for me to talk about the waterfall because it makes me have to go to the bathroom (laughs) when i talk about it uh it's my desktop background uh, right by the way oh i'm a fan yeah. Uh, Cooper interviews Hurley about a video of Laura and Donna Hayward. Yeah, I like Looks this like scene. like a hug to me. Yeah, I like this scene. <laughs> yeah. Hayward uh, had denied him being present the day it was taken, but Cooper notices a reflection of the motorcycle. Uh, Cooper confronts Hurley about the affair he was having with Palmer and about her cocaine habit. I love this, like, questioning of... Uh, like, Cooper gets very personal with James. He's like... He's like Laura didn't love you or something mm-hmm. like yeah yeah it's it's interesting mm-hmm. but uh, James admits uh, seeing Palmer the night she died but denies killing her mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess he mentions at some point that he doesn't have an alibi I think that's in the pilot but I guess he just like rode around all night is what he said he just like rode his motorcycle all around which <laughs> I mean that is kind of an alibi it's not yeah. a very good one but. well for sure and I mean like you you can kind of see like when he finally fesses up to like what did happen which was like he was with her and then she jumped off the motorcycle and ran into the woods you kind of get the sense of like well I guess he could be lying but he's very like compel. I guess his story is very compelling because it's like I'm just as freaked out and want to know the truth as much as you. I don't know. I, I guess he's James is such a sympathetic character yeah. from the get go that you're kind of like, yeah, he lied, but he's a kid. And like, I don't know. He's like, wants to do the right thing. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's a very, it's a very weird situation, but I like that in this episode, like Dale Cooper is kind of off of, Bobby and James like because like, I think in the next scene right it's like Bobby and his friend come back in for like follow-up questions where yeah, they basically yeah. have to let him go yeah yeah um 
Yeah, so Hurley, uh, James, okay, we did that. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, so Ed Hurley, uh, James's uh, uncle, shows up mm-hmm. and Big picks Ed. him up. Yeah, and uh, um, this is the first time we get the mention of the Bookhouse Boys, right? First mention of the Bookhouse Boys. Also, I uh, just want to point this out and not explain it at all, but there is a very brief moment where uh, Ed and Hawk, mm-hmm. a deputy, a deputy Hawk, is, who is great, by the way, uh, when they see each other, they they, they each tap their nose, and mm-hmm. we'll, uh, maybe we'll find out what that means. Like, yeah, and but, I think like uh, the the mention of the Bookhouse Boys without explaining what it is in this episode, and we shouldn't explain it on our podcast yet, but I think it's it's no. cool because it like it makes you think like what do you mean you're going to get the Bookhouse Boys on it? Like, suddenly, mm-hmm. it starts to feel very conspiracy theory and very, like, secret oh, yeah. society. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ed tells Truman that he was drugged the previous uh, night at the Roadhouse, the town's bar. Uh, he suspects bartender Jacques Renault uh, was mm-hmm. responsible. The Frenchman. Uh, Coop- yeah. A Frenchman. Canadian. Uh, Cooper takes a telephone call from his colleague albert rosenfield uh, <laughs> who is on his way to aid in the uh, investigation this is miguel ferrer although i don't think we see him yet no r.i.p uh, too miguel ferrer i know yeah um but yeah meanwhile he's uh yeah we're, we're getting like the 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 chimes of other people getting involved mm-hmm. or on the horizon yep uh, uh, Bobby and his friend Mike are in a jail cell uh, discussing how they owe money to Leo. The 10 grand they were meant to pay him is in a safety deposit box owned by Palmer, which they can no longer access. Uh, they are later released. Uh, so, okay, they are later released by Cooper, who warns them to not to approach James. Uh, the scene fade cuts into a short clip. From the VHS tape of Palmer dancing outdoors, pauses on a shot of her face. The words mm-hmm. help me can be heard. Um, so, yeah, I believe this is the moment when they, uh, Mike and Bobby are like barking at James. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah. Uh, uh, one, of the, my, one of my favorite scenes from the show is just like them being f- like fucking psychos in this jail cell barking at James. Um, and I think like, this is like an interesting scene too, because like I, you know, like Bobby is definitely still a suspect. I mean, everyone's a suspect, right? But like, Bobby is like, I'm gonna fucking kill James for killing yeah. Laura. Like he thinks he did it, and that's always just an interesting move in storytelling where you're like, are you trying to like send me down a false path, or are you being genuine right now? You know what I mean? Like right. your your own investigative qualities start to come out and you're like, huh, am I, mm-hmm. did you not do it then? Did your friend do it? Yeah. I also love just the two crazy different acting styles between Bobby and his friend. Like Bobby is so yeah. animated and such like a weirdo charismatic, like nineties actor. And his friend is so monotone and robotic. <laughs> I know it's, yeah, it is fun to watch them in that jail cell together. Yeah. Uh, Josie uh, and Pete discuss Packard's trouble with her sister-in-law, uh, Catherine Martell. Well, this uh, is like the fish scene where they like the f- they he makes Truman and Cooper f- arrive. Yeah, yeah. There's a fish in the percolator. Fish in the percolator. Fellas, don't yeah. drink that coffee. It's such uh, a weird scene. Like there's so many weird. Like you said, red herring is a good way of putting it because it's like, 
what does that mean? I don't think it means anything. I think it's just something that happens. A fish got in the percolator. <laughs> I know. That is what I love about it. That's what I loved so much about watching The Return because I was like, I I knew I I I knew that Twin Peaks is a show where like anything can mean anything. Mm-hmm. And just being able to experience that's why I'm like jealous of people who are who are getting to watch this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh so uh yeah, Truman and Cooper arrive uh to speak with Packard, uh who had employed Palmer as an English tutor. Uh Packard admits to sensing that Palmer was troubled but cannot help further. Cooper picks up on the fact that Truman has been having a relationship with Packard. Uh right. yeah. He from I guess body language, uh which Truman is just like bat completely like mm-hmm. thrown aback by. Yeah, he's like, how did you uh, know that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Catherine calls Packard to tell her that uh, the latter's sawmill lost 87 grand uh, the day before. Uh, Catherine is having an affair with Ben Horn, mm-hmm. with whom she is conspiring a hostile takeover of the mill. Yes, this is very soap opera y. And also, we get a lot mm-hmm. of disgusting feet kissing in this, which made me. Yeah. Furious. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, the scene is, uh, yeah. Uh, the same, the same day Hayward visits, uh, Palmer's, um, mother, Sarah, uh, Grace Zabrinsky, attempting to console her. However, Sarah has a vision of a sinister man, Frank Silva, crouching in the corner of the room and panic. Yeah. So Frank so Silver Frank is a, Silver. Uh, he's, yeah, that's the actor name, but he's also the lighting guy, right? <laughs> I believe he was the lighting guy. Uh, he worked on the crew at some capacity and David Lynch wasn't exactly sure how he wanted to end uh, the pilot. Um, so he, he is in like, he does appear, I will say in the, the, the end in the in the extended version of the uh, pilot, That's so not, not in America, really not the American anymore. version. Yes, but I, I, just to just to mention that because uh, it it coincides with the story. So David Lynch was kind of trying to figure out how to an- wrap things up story wise, um, and he, I guess, just saw like uh, Frank Silva was like doing something like crouched near mm-hmm. the bed in in Laura's room like doing something uh related to like set dress or lighting or something and yeah, he's uh, I guess he was the art director on the series and he was accidentally caught okay. on camera during a shot yes and Lynch yes 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 and 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 Lynch was like are you an actor and he was like as a matter of fact I am and <laughs> like oh, I might have a part for you and this like the wardrobe is like what he was wearing like this is exactly like how he looked yeah which Lynch um, loves to do that kind of shit as yeah. we know from his oh, previous yeah. films he's like wait a minute you're not an, like Kyle MacLachlan he's like you've never done a movie before great I'm gonna cast you in a huge budget fucking fr- franchise picture it's like wow <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a moment in the pilot where uh, we actually do see we do see Frank uh, Silvera's character Bob. We'll just keep calling him Bob. We find out his name's Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we do see Bob very very briefly in a mirror uh, in uh, Sarah Palmer's in in the Palmer residence. Okay, and this was an accident. Mm. This was an accident, but. Uh, afterwards like someone told lynch they had to reshoot it because frank was in the shot and when he saw that he was in the mirror it like lynch like was like freaking out about it because it like fits perfectly yeah Uh, 
in that's the whole, so fucking the whole creepy yeah i will say it's yeah. it's a stunning cutaway to mm-hmm. to him crouched behind the bed I, I call it iconic too it's like very iconic like the, when the first oh, time yeah. you see bob it's like what the fuck <laughs> yeah yeah uh, meanwhile, Lawrence Jacoby, uh, Laura's psychiatrist, listens to an audio tape she made for him, and she sobs as uh, he and sobs as he toys with uh, half of a golden heart necklace, the other half of which was found found at the scene of the crime. Right. Also, uh, this man is obsessed with Hawaii. Yes, the tropical environment. Yeah, I would say, like, as a rule of thumb, when after watching Twin Peaks. In your writing, if you are a writer and you're listening to this show, th- put in as much detail into your characters as humanly possible. Like that's what separates this show from like other more boringer shows. Is that like Jacoby is a weirdo already, but to add to that, they also give him like this obsession with Hawaiian stuff that doesn't necessarily go anywhere, but it just like elevates the character in my opinion, you know? Yeah. It makes him crazy. Yeah. It makes him like more suspect. Yeah. More suspect uh, or just yeah. weirder or like, or like, you know, cause that's, or more, or somehow in a weird way, even more naturalistic. Cause that's, that real people are like that. They like have weird obsessions, you know, like it's not, uh, it's not like, it's almost weirder if you give care, if you don't give characters weird obsessions, you know? Right. Um, but yeah. Oh, one thing we didn't mention and it doesn't, it's not covered in this Wikipedia article is the one armed man. We definitely get to see the one armed man in this episode, right? Oh yeah. He's in the, uh, the elevator. Yeah. He's in the hospital. And then we see Hawk like kind of follow him a little bit. Have we heard any rumblings of the one armed man yet? Or do we just like, has anyone said that the man, man. the, the, like the term, the phrase, the one armed man, or is this like, we just see him first. I think in the next episode, I think in the next episode, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. We will at least hear the, uh, the mention of the one armed man. Great. Um, great. So the next episode is, uh, the only other episode that David Lynch directs in season one, I believe. Um, cause he went off to direct wild at heart. But uh, see, uh, episode two is uh, it's a favorite among amongst the uh, the fans. The fans, awesome! Um, so I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm excited to get yeah. onto it. Yeah. So so next week we'll be covering episode two, three, and four. Or if you're watching it like on Netflix, it's three, four, and five. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That won't uh, ever get confusing. <laughs> right, yeah. I almost feel like we should just call it episode three. Like, episode, it's so weird to call it episode two, but... Um, um, let's, stick to, let's stick to the official... Let's stick to the official. I'll tell you... You know what? I'll tell you what the, uh, what the titles are, because there okay. are uh, episode titles, just so there's no confusion. Although, I don't think anyone will be confused by this. No. But, uh, oh, fuck. Thought I could pull this up quicker. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, I have them. I have them right here. So it's like uh, today we covered the pilot or Northwest Passage and episode one uh-huh. or Traces to Nowhere. Uh, next week we'll be covering Zen or the Skill to Catch a Killer, Rest in uh-huh. Pain, and episode four titled The One Armed Man. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Episode four. We'll uh, we'll hear more about that man, but. Uh, but yeah, so that is uh, buckle up, folks. Buckle up. This is gonna be a fun ride. Um, 
yeah, Jeremy, do you have any like final, I guess, thoughts? Any stray, stray thoughts or comments you wanted to get out there? Hell no. This is great. Right. This is this is a uh, this is absolutely what I wanted from the coverage of this series. Is I I've been looking forward to great. Twin Peaks the most of all of the Lynch stuff for sure. Um. And I would uh, I would love to hear how people are enjoying it. Like I said, uh, uh, first time viewers, and uh, yeah. So the next two episodes will be Twin Peaks season one, and um, fucking we'll get back to Kubrick. Yeah, we'll, we'll cover Lolita for you sick fucks out there. Yeah, you uh, sick perverts. We'll get to Lolita <laughs> in no time. <laughs> yeah, in February. Yeah. Uh, oh, perfect! In time for. Uh, valentine's day valentine's day. <laughs> yeah yeah how great mm-hmm. um cool so uh i guess i will say our famous sign off line also uh patreon.com slash eric and jeremy we do weekly almost uh three to four uh patreon episodes a month and uh they're very good so <laughs> check that out uh and there's other tiers available where you can uh force us to do an episode on anything and uh there's other cool shit happening there uh anyway i will say the official sign off line norma i'll see you in my dreams